1: Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche Podcast. We got AJ, we got Rudo, We got a day off for the Avs, so a little around the league talk today. Mm-hmm. I think there's a number of interesting storylines, but let's be real. We have to start with the Edmonton Oilers. <laughs> just jumping right in. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just want to talk about this one first. Get it out of the way, and then we can talk about the other stuff. And obviously... Everyone knows how poor the season has started for that hockey team, but actual internal changes now getting made. Jay Woodcroft no longer the head coach of that organization. AJ, we talk about this a lot with the easiest move a team has to make when things are going poorly is to fire the coach. Yeah.
0: How much of this is actually Jay Woodcroft's fault? I don't think much of it is, really, because if you – it's it's interesting – the Oilers were on the extremes of the kind of shooting percentage stuff that we were talking about with the Avs. Yep. The Oilers were living in like the extreme of that. Yep. But I think that the postseason disappointments, you know, getting to the Western Conference final was great. Sure. Getting swept and feeling like, oh my God, we're not even close yep. was tough. And then...
1: To not even really get close to getting back there again. It,
0: yeah, and not being all that competitive with Vegas. And feeling like, okay, we've had the misfortune of having to play the eventual Cup champs two years in a row. Yep. But we got smoked both times. Yep. And feeling like, man, we're not close here. <laughs> like, we're good, but we're not that great. Good, yeah. And... Then you look at the team, and it's always been flawed. And it was everybody has known that the goaltending was going to be a question mark.
1: I don't think anyone thought it was going to go this catastrophically right. bad. Right. Like, this
0: is this is cratering. Yeah. Like, Jack Campbell's not even in the NHL. <laughs> <Right>. And <laughs> before a million the year, like,
1: sitting on your AHL team, yeah. you know,
0: um, it, as if it needed it. But one more feather in the cap of stop pretending preseason is important because Jack Campbell was the shit during preseason. Real game started. You remember first game of the season they lose 8 to 1. Yep. to Vancouver and who's the other team living on the that other been side the of percentages? Team in the <laughs> <NHL>. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so Woodcroft, you know Woodcroft is I think Woodcroft comes comes across kind of smarmy. I would agree. But I also think that you look at the changes he made with that team. And you look at the underlings and the way that they played under him. I think, he's, I think he's a solid coach, and I think that that's still a good hockey team. There's no way they're this bad. They've got, they've got problems, but every team does. Yeah, you know, not every team is two like, and twelve, though. <laughs> right, and that's that's where like if you look at you look at the abs position where you're like, dude. The bad has been so brutally bad that everybody's a little on edge about it. And they're nine and five. Yeah.
1: When that's the bad, you feel pretty good compared to an Edmonton Oilers.
0: Yeah. And they are in second place in their division. Yep. Three points back of a Dallas team that they will play in Dallas this they weekend, which have not played each other yet this year. Oh God, does that already feel like a nightmare?
1: Who's it really, never goes well when they go to Dallas. It's gonna be an overtime win for Dallas <laughs> off
0: of a goal that goes
1: in off a broken stick. I'll <laughs> take it. I would take it you right take now. One point. Yeah. I would take it right now,
0: man. Because first of all, the last two Saturdays have gone horribly. That's true. But anyway, about the Oilers, like, I think Jay Woodcroft is a good coach. I think Edmonton is a solid team. It's obviously a flawed team. Yep. Uh, and it's a team that really could use a major change of personality. Yep. As, as good as I think Woodcroft is as a coach, <laughs> he's kind of a nerd. And, you know, nerds are great on podcasts. <laughs> <laughs>
1: most days were pretty good running <laughs> running
0: a bench would be a different story for either of us um and i just wonder i wonder if they just need like a patrick Waugh-esque personality you know a, a winner a, a, like a, a really fiery demanding won't take no for an answer like, type he becomes the story and takes some of the shine away from mcdavid and dry a little bit like some of the spotlight goes on to the head coach instead of the head coach kind of being a complimentary player in their story. And so I I do wonder about that
1: connection. He's out there.
0: It's going to be be really hard for them to make major changes to the team they've built. They've made some bad financial decisions. They're up against it. And that's where you see this one comment in
1: chat from Jeremy. might not be Woodcroft's fault, but a significant portion of this has to fall onto Ken Holland's head, right? I know he's, he's yeah. not getting punished for Absolutely. it. but that dude made some questionable decisions, to say the least.
0: Yeah, and there was a lot of when they when they signed Jack Campbell, a lot of people were like, "Are you sure?" Yeah, Toronto you know?
1: just tried this.
0: Well, and like <laughs> Toronto was like, like Toronto said, "No, thanks," and yeah. decided to go with Matt Murray, which and, also went
1: horribly. Yeah, <laughs> Matt Murray
0: and Ilya Samsonov. You know, like they <laughs> like it just it was so bad. Yeah, but they they that was the choice they made over yeah. giving Jack Campbell a big contract like that and Edmonton made that mistake right and I don't I don't know I don't know that you know Stuart Skinner looked really good he's been he's been a good goaltender in the NHL before or in the NHL before this right season up until now yeah and like he's off to a bad start is he gonna be bad forever. I don't know. Goalies, man. But they basically cannot have him continue on being a below average goaltender. Yeah, he has they to just be can't. Better. And and the hard part for them is their defense is below average too. I think their defense is a little underrated, but it's certainly cost inefficient when Darnell Nurse is making the money that he is. Like Darnell's is a, like a good NHL defenseman. Sure. Totally. But he should be like a Sam Gerard role and, and, and not a
1: Devontae's role. My my point isn't trying to figure out how good Edmonton's defense specifically is. It's that they aren't good enough to bail out poor goaltending on a regular basis.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. It's I know I'm I certainly wasn't alone. I really liked Edmonton coming into the season. I still think that's a good hockey club. I
1: think I had them winning their division. <clears throat> I in did our
0: predictions, so so I think that's still a good team, but they have put themselves into such a hole now. It is going to be a race for them to make the playoffs, unless
1: I mean they have the blessing of playing in a bad Pacific
0: Division. And this is but... this is where I mean you go. You look at these standings, right? You have a historically bad San Jose team. Yep. You're not worried about them. You have, for all of Edmonton's problems, they are one point behind the Flames. So the Flames have tons of have issues of their own. We will talk about later in the show. And then you have Seattle and Anaheim there. Which, Seattle hasn't been great to start the
1: year. No. And Anaheim has been on a heater to start the year. But a team yeah. that you look at and go, are they really that good? Yeah.
0: They've certainly overachieved. Yeah. And... It is fair to expect some kind of tail off from the Ducks, mm-hmm. but as long as they continue to play hard, they definitely do have the talent. You know, you always have to wonder about young lineups like that. What happens when they hit the skids? You know, what happens when some of the rookies, some of the second year guys hit a wall, you know, and <sighs> stop playing great hockey for some stretches? You know, but point being that division is ripe for Edmonton to climb.
1: Yep. But the hard part of that is you're talking about an Edmonton team who has to climb to get into the first wild card spot. Yeah. And you really have it's already going to be hard for them to catch certain obviously Vegas is running away with that division, but even Vancouver and LA are are a big mountain for Edmonton to get to and you know maybe Vancouver falls off whatever you want to say I know they they've been wicked hot and there's likely to be some regression there. But you're talking about a team that is moving in the wrong direction when you're looking at their reward if they manage to turn it around
0: is playing Vegas in the first round again? Yeah. Tough. Yeah, you're they are ten points behind third place LA. That's that's a long way to climb. It's it's mid-November,
1: but that's a long way to yeah. go. Yeah,
0: and it's it's easy to look at it and say, guys, they've only played Fourteen, I 14, think. Fourteen, yeah, yeah. They've only played 14 games. No. You have 68 games left. I sure hope I did that math right. Yep, no, that's right. They have 68 games left. Like, there's time, but you have to be five wins better than the Kings the rest mm-hmm. of the way to just catch them Yep, for third. Do we expect Vancouver to come back to earth a little bit? Yeah. But are they going to come back to earth so much? Right. Right. I don't know that that's the case. That's a talented team. And when you get off to that kind of start, it's hard to blow it. You have to play bad yep. hockey for it, weeks I mean, to it, blow that spot.
1: It, if Vancouver plays 500 hockey for the rest of the year, they're an 85-ish point team, which would be pretty collapsing they probably missed the playoffs yeah but you're talking about a team that if they play anything over 500 (laughs) edmonton now needs to get above Mm -hmm. 90 points to catch that team yeah and they have what nine points right now
0: yeah they have to play at a greater than 100 point pace yeah to even get to roughly the 95 point mark which tough to do man yeah like 100 point pace across 82 games is tough Teams teams that do that, they you tend to finish with like 104 points. Yeah. And that's across 82. They need to play at 100 point paints for 68 games. <sighs> that's a lot of wins. Yeah. They have to play really, really, really well.
1: you basically have to win what, 45 of the 68?
0: <sighs> right in that area. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> Cause that right now would give them that would give them 99 points. Yeah. And if that doesn't get you into the playoffs, you tip your cap. That's a tough
1: year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I don't think the West is good enough for that to (laughs) make them miss. But I don't
1: know if they're good enough to win 45 of 68 either. Believing they're a good team. That's just a huge ask out of a hockey team. Yeah. It's tough. It's, It's really, really hard to play yourself out of a hole that
0: deep. Yeah. They will benefit from the Pacific. And really, to a lesser extent... They'll benefit from the, the Central, Central as the well. Spots, sure. But even when you look at the Central right now, I mean, Dallas is on top. They have a couple, couple of points on the Avs, who have a couple of points on both Winnipeg and St. Louis. But Arizona is right there. Mm-hmm. Minnesota is underachieved to start this year. They've had bad They've had injury, issues. For sure. injury issues like crazy. Marc-Andre Fleury might be done-done. He looks really bad. Yeah, I was saying the other day, uh, it's kind of sad to watch a guy that everybody likes so much, how good was he during his career? Doesn't really matter, but a very likable player who's had a great career and watching it kind of winding up this way is kind of, you've
1: seen the decline over the last handful of years start. And now it's finally the point where it's like, maybe it's time to hang him up, man. But you know what? I'm not sad for the wild that it's happening to them.
0: Me neither. (laughs) And like, that is a team that has relied on completely out of left field, very random Cam career Talbot's years.
1: having career
0: years, yeah. Last year, it's Gustafson. Yep. You know, two years ago, Ryan Hartman, Had a out of 60 nowhere, points. is a 30-goal scorer, <laughs> and you're just like,
1: just what can't is keep this, happening. dude? Like,
0: what is going on right now? I know Kirill Kaprizov is great, but my goodness, Dean Avison, Dean Evison's job is... is, is, is Criminally underrated <laughs> by the masses. <laughs> so some of the some of the rosters that that guy has produced, there. the results he has. You look at like some of those
1: dudes a couple years down the line, and you're like, How did they ever get this much out of these guys? Well, and then they get
0: into the postseason, right? (laughs) And And they lose in the first round. And they lose in the first round, but also, like, they lose in, like, some hard-fought, bloodbath first-round series. The team that plays them is
1: ruined in round two. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, Dallas really struggled. Going Minnesota and Seattle last year was like, that sucks, man.
1: Beat the hell out of that team. Yeah,
0: yeah. (laughs) Another team I don't feel bad for though. So, totally. <laughs> but I I do like the um I you don't like where the Oilers sit, but I still think it's a good team. I agree. And I'm just not in the business of counting out the absolute elite, uh, tip-top best players just in the world. Too good to be held back that long yeah and mcdavid mcdavid has kind of been just okay for mcdavid's s- levels similar to what we've seen from mckinnon in colorado this year where you're like yeah, these guys have been really good but they are paid to be the best the, of the best. best of the yeah. best and they have not neither guy has been to start this year yep and so when they show that like slight downtick <sighs> in their level you feel it mm-hmm. i think it, i think it's definitely true I,
1: even more so for mcdavid than mckinnon with yeah, he has Drysidle, but the rest of that lineup is filled with a bunch of guys. As much as I like Ryan Nugent Hopkins, he's not having another hundred point season.
0: Yeah, <laughs> so. well, Zach Hyman doesn't look like he's gonna have. He had like eighty six points. Yeah, last year. I know. Like when you have an all time great power play and they're all just feasting on it, you know, that's a does some a, numbers get a little inflated? <laughs> I think it. it I, I think when it came to us predicting this season's team we probably did not take into account that that was unlikely to continue at the level that it did. Sure. And how much the extra 10 power play goals they score from having the all-time greatest power play and instead of an elite power play... Some of those goalie issues on the back end. ...wins them a couple of extra games. Yeah. So that... Because I think that's an important thing that I I could tell you I overlooked it. Just being like, they've had the best power play in the league for years. That will just keep... Happening, <laughs> <laughs> and maybe it ultimately does. But having an all-time great one can mask some issues, definitely. So, because if you're scoring at thirty-four percent on your power plays across an, you're entire outscoring season, a lot Jesus, of problems, man. Yeah. <laughs> You're not having to do a ton of work at 5v5. You're that good.
1: Well, that's exactly it, right? It's putting teams down. Yeah. You're in a game where maybe you're up by one and you go up by two because of that power play. And Mm -hmm. suddenly that extra goal
0: your goalie gives up is meaningless. I mean, scoring, reliably scoring across 82 games on a third of your power plays Almost every team is going to get three power plays yeah, in a game.
1: You're averaging more than one power play goal and game.
0: Point. Point. We, we talk about how if you're at 25%, you're pretty good. Yep. Like you're you're not really looking at your power play and, and being upset. You don't upset have any problems with it. And yeah. that's one out of four. You, there's no guarantee you're getting four power <laughs> plays most games. You usually get to three. Yeah. And, and it's right in that two to three range. Yeah. If you can score on a third of them across an entire season, it really does make your life a lot easier when you can say, Put us on the board for one of those. Almost every game you're playing, one
1: zero. Mm-hmm. It's you
0: know, ridiculous numbers,
1: to be honest with you. I I think it'll be interesting because look, I even if Edmonton doesn't make the full comeback and get into the playoffs,
0: I just don't see how they can continue to be this bad. Definitely, I will say if they miss the playoffs, I have.
1: What do you do with that lineup? Yeah. Holland has
0: to be. I think Holland's done. No matter what, I, I think, think this so is his last year. Yeah. I think it's I think it's even pretty like well established that he's Yep. He's done with it. Yeah, that this like this is the last ride that they're preparing for life without him next season, which is kind of a strange setup. Like if you're comfortable with moving on from that guy at the end of the season, why <laughs> not <laughs> just do it now? Given the team that is built. <laughs> like like why continue to let him make these decisions because that's now a guy with no consequences what happens if he blows you up at the trade deadline
1: like yeah and he just walks out
0: obviously you need owner approval and stuff like that to make deals and spend money but it does make you kind of wonder like has he been such a good gm now obviously like he's had a hall of fame caliber career as GM as a gm overall but his time in edmonton the last several years in Detroit. Yeah, has they were he bad. Really, They were bad. Has he really done such a great job in that in that role? No. I I, I would argue he's done a poor job. I wonder I wonder what your average GM Thinks. would be able to do yeah. going into Edmonton in the situation that he walked into, where you have a couple of building blocks like that from the very, very start. Don't know. Hard to say. It's impossible. Of it's purely conjecture, but it, it is one of those, like, it would be I would, fair to argue that he has underachieved. I would say,
1: particularly, when you look at what Vegas has done,
0: Vegas has found ways to move
1: out bad money contracts and continue to be competitive. Yes. And Holland has not done that at all for Edmonton. <laughs>
0: One of the challenges that Holland has is trying to get players to go to Edmonton. It's not a versus place people want to go. Vegas yeah. being an easy attraction for players. It was sure. an organization that was trying to win every year. It's a great place to live. It's warm weather, uh, no income tax. Like there were a lot of advantages that fair. just went right into Vegas into players wanting to go there. But and and that challenge with Edmonton has been lessened a little bit because mcdavid and dry saddle are there where they're like i'm gonna go play with these guys where i just need to go help them i don't need to go in there and be a a rock star the
1: problem is they've botched it now right they had a conference final appearance with those guys and it felt like all right you could see how guys would say i could go play with mcdavid and i think they have a chance to win and now you're two years removed from that and you're not even sure if they're a playoff team yeah
0: that's tough yeah and how much money do they have spending on goaltending right now uh, it's what like it's 3, three point million, yeah. Three point four for Georgiev, and then, two million for Frankie, which is now dead money, and but, which is now mm. less than a million for Prosvetov. Uh, yeah. But you're saying that they walked into the season saying we are spending a little over five million dollars, which Edmonton is nearly spending on Jack Campbell alone. <laughs> they spent five, and I think they spent five. I think it was four point nine or whatever. Okay, yeah. so we'll call it five. Yeah, five million on Campbell alone, who's now in the HL. You can't get that wrong. And then Skinner is making a little over three. You, That's you, $8
1: million on you have, terrible
0: goaltending. You have spent way too much money to be that bad at the position. Yep. In, in a position that has become one of the most cost efficient in the NHL because teams stopped handing out those deals to goaltenders. The guys getting those deals have some level of track record. I mean... Even even Philip Grubauer, when he signed his contract, yep. was a way better bet. Now it hasn't gone great, but was a way better bet. There was at least a good track record there to jump. Exactly. Off from. Then it was a much stronger track record than what Jack Campbell ever had. Yep. And that was one of those. We can't even say this is just hindsight. This is one that everybody saw coming from the beginning. This is worst case scenario in sure. terms of that outcome. But no one was expecting it to be great. Yeah. It's a tough. Look, yeah, and Skinner. You know, if if you were signing Jack Campbell with the idea of Skinner is going to eventually take over the job, why, why give him five years yeah. at that price tag? You just locked yourself into something you didn't even want. Exactly, and now you're paying a price for it. This is this is the price of a bad decision at that position, and this is it's almost a warning sign to the Avalanche of. You guys have been playing hot potato in net for a few years now, and you've done a phenomenal job of it. Yep, A phenomenal job of it. Have not missed. But at the end of next season when Georgiev's a free agent, you just have to be careful. Yep. You have to be careful because when you get it wrong, you're Edmonton. (laughs) it, It sinks everything else you do Yep, more than any other position. That is more damaging than even the Darnell Nurse contract, who, again, is a fine NHL player. He is overpaid. No doubt about it. But he is a fine player. If they were getting fine play out of either one of those goaltenders, you'd be fine. They would be in the middle of the Pacific Division. would great,
1: but you'd be fine.
0: And we would not have spent 20
1: minutes on this. Exactly right. Uh, if you are handling dangerous materials like the Edmonton Oilers, make sure you get Hestra job gloves. They have fantastic job gloves that you can wear in any weather. It's great for the snow that's coming here to Colorado.
0: It's great Dude, for any work you're doing. I have them in my car. Just waiting for a snow day. Right, I know. (laughs) Just waiting and not complaining about it. The weather has just been too good to justify me getting to use them yet. You know it's coming. You know it's coming. When it gets here, I'm, I'm prepared. I am ready.
1: Uh, Hestra is a glove company and only a glove company. That's the only thing they do, and they've been doing it for over 85 years. So they make the best gloves. You don't need to trash any of your old gloves. You can just use Hestra instead for all of that hard work. Whether it's out shoveling your front driveway of the snow, or maybe you're on a work site and doing your job. Either way, Hestra has you covered. You and go to HestraJob.us and purchase with the DNVR job code to get 30% off. Your pair of Hestra gloves today. It's literally great for everything. Whatever you want to do. Keep your hands warm. They got it totally covered. You want to go out and work in the garden, pull up some weeds? Works for that too. You name it, they've got you covered. Their headquarters are located in Arvada, so they're local here to Colorado. Like I said, they've been here for like 90 years. It's outrageous how long they've been doing it. Uh, again, head over to HestraJobs.us and use the DNVR job code to get 30% off your next purchase of gloves. Or if you're looking to order for your work team, you can email josh at
0: HestraUSA.com for bulk orders. Dude, imagine having a business 90 years. It's ridiculous. You're talking, they, that business started on the tail end of the Great Depression. Yep. Went through the Second World War. <laughs> All of the other things that happened yep. between that and COVID, and still survived. <laughs> I'll still going it's strong. Incredibly impressive, honestly. I always need working gloves. When do you not?
1: When you're a nerd who sits in his basement like me,
0: I I told I was like I'm gonna wear those gloves to fix my computer, and then I was like no.
1: We're good. No, they, they are very much the warm weather gloves yeah. for me. Not the not the working part. I'm probably not getting the full use out of them. But, yeah. but hey, they work for warm weather gloves too. So
0: you should do you should do yard work.
1: I do. Yeah, I mean, sure, I could use them for yard work. Sarah's more of the weed puller, so that tracks. <laughs> I actually buy that. I I will like take care of the actual lawn, mm-hmm. but she like wants to like plant stuff and do all the gardening, and I'm like, ah, it's not for me. But, hey, she can use my pair of Hester gloves, so got it covered. Uh, also brought to you by Bet365. You can go over there and get in on the action. It's never ordinary when you're betting on Bet365. Uh, you have two offers that you can get from Bet365 right now when you sign up for a new account. You can get a first bet safety net of $1,000. So if you want to go hard on your first bet up to $1,000, they will cover it for you. Or if you want to bet $5 on anything, you can get $150 in bonus bets when you sign up with code DNVR365. Whichever one you want to do, maybe uh, consider splashing some cash on the DNVR custom bet. We have our very own bet over at Bet365 that Dre usually puts up there for us. He's pretty good at what he does. So it's always good to ride with Dre and DNVR with our custom bet and that DNVR365 code. Get over there, bet on whatever you feel. Uh, maybe you think Edmonton's going to continue to tank. Maybe you think the Abs are going to c- continue to give up the first goal of the game. Whatever it might be, you must be 21 and older and physically located in Colorado. Please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast, and we've got the top five never ordinary presented by Bet Three Six Five. Jumping off from the Jay Woodcroft conversation, we have the top five hottest seats. For head coaches in the NHL selected by me. Uh, number five, DJ Smith in Ottawa. This one is a little bit weird in its own category on this list. Yeah. Because Ottawa really isn't that bad. They're one game below 500, yeah. which unfortunately they booked to play in the Division of Doom, which means one game under 500 means they're last in their division.
0: But the only team in that entire division below a 500 point percentage.
1: Ridiculous. And
0: they're at 462.
1: It's not even that bad.
0: For the record, there are four worse teams than that in the Pacific division. That are not in last. There (laughs) are three worse teams than that in the central division. And there are just the one, just only Columbus. But new the Islanders are basically at the same level. Sure. So for Ottawa to be last in their division... And Hard luck on that one a little bit. That is a victim of circumstance if there ever was one.
1: But Smith being in the hot seat is more about the turmoil in the front office of this organization. They get yeah. new owners this year. The GM is out. Mm-hmm. You also are looking at Smith as a guy who's been there for three or four years now. I think it's three. And Ottawa hasn't really turned that corner in they've, this rebuild. They've spent
0: money. Yeah, They've signed big contracts to guys. You're kind of looking at it going... They're they're fine. Yep.
1: But at what point does the results have to start coming in for yeah. that organization? And again,
0: another organization where you make a big mistake in net, an mm-hmm. expensive mistake in net with Matt Murray. Yep. They get out of it, transition into Jonas Corpusalo,
1: Who's fine?
0: Just hasn't quite done it yeah, yet. Sure. So
1: We'll see where it goes from here.
0: They give up on Gustafson and watch him go into Minnesota and, become and, have, a beast. Yeah. Yeah, and have the Gus bus year, <laughs> you know, where it's like, dude, <laughs> pretty frustrating for them. So, yeah, I think DJ Smith is one of the guys that, like you said, it's it's not even so much about the job that he's done, but if they bring in a new GM, the, the turnover the new, of new that GMs organization. tend to want their no. own guys. Yep. What happened with Sheldon Keefe in Toronto was the abnormal. Unusual. Yeah. I can already hear yell- Eric just yelling <laughs> he about it. There? Yeah, uh, Why would you do that? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, DJ Smith is definitely one of those names that... Keep an eye on it. Yeah, you might have even undersold him at five. I, I think he probably deserved to be at four. Uh,
1: at four, I put Andrew Brunette, and I don't actually think Brunette's seat is that hot, but on principle... You as an organization are worse than the Chicago Blackhawks. (laughs) That's not good. There has to be some question marks there. And I get it's his first year as the head coach there. Give him some time. I get Barry Trotz is his first year leading the helm on the GM side of things of an organization. But that's kind of my point. Barry Trotz... Probably has some security to make his plan of action work for a handful of years in Nashville, yeah, as far as the GM guy if things go bad, brunette's going to be the fall guy,
0: yeah, you're also talking i I think about a guy that was brought in to really goose the offensive numbers, sure, and uh, to be honest with you, I have no idea if that's happened I have avoided Nashville games I like the plague this year. genuinely don't know the one thing I know about the Preds is that UC Saros has dramatically underwhelmed. Yep. He has a save percentage of 894. Ooh, that's bad. The only other time in his NHL career that he has had a save percentage that low was the very first game he ever played. <laughs> Where he gave up three goals on twenty-three shots for an eight seventy. Otherwise, every season, every other body of work, putting up at least nine hundred. His yeah. lowest was not, has been nine fourteen. Well, been a, that's an ocean of difference. He <laughs> has been awesome in his NHL career, and for him to have an eight ninety four right now, like that is a, that is an area where you're like, and it, that's a big problem. Yeah, his last four games, he's given up six, five, three, and four goals. Tough.
1: He's, he needs the get-right game like Georgiev had the other night.
0: <laughs> His job is much harder than Georgiev's. That is true. He is regularly facing 30 shots per game. Yeah. Georgiev is not. He faced 19 the other he night. He faced 19 <laughs> last Bit of night. A 19 shots on goal. So, so UC Soros is like, I call that period one around here. Yeah. You know? Like, it's... Yeah, it do be like that. And so that's it's a really tough job for, for Soros right now. And
1: Nashville's just kind of the team where if it continues to go south, you start getting into January and things haven't gotten better for yeah. that organization. That's when it's like, all right.
0: Well, and Soros is like one of those, like they talked about trading Askarov. know yep. during the draft when they were trying to move up. And, you know, they've, Barry Trotz has not been shy to make big moves. We saw with. The Duchesne
1: out O'Reilly in.
0: Johansson, Duchesne, back-to-back decisions, which took such massive stones for him to do. Yep. And Soros has kind of been in that, like, are they really going to ride with him? He doesn't really fit a rebuild timeline. They were trying to reshape the roster with veterans, hardworking guys, and change up that culture a little bit with a guy like an O'Reilly uh, and then But you we looked at their Nyquist, lineup
1: in the off season and went, This isn't gonna
0: work. Yeah. And so their results right now aren't super surprising. Yeah. But I think that the way that they've gotten there with Soros getting rocked the way that he has has been surprising. Sure. If they have if they have gotten regular UC Soros would they be, I think they're competitive. A, I think they're a 500. 500 team, yeah. Sure. I think they're a 500 okay. team. Okay. I, but I also bought all their stock in the offseason of like, <laughs> I don't think this is a good team. I think Andrew Burnett is really good, and I think UC Soros is really good. Barry Trotz lover over here. <laughs> it's too early in the job to say that, but you have to admire a guy that walked in the front <laughs> door and was like, I'm not afraid to make big choices. Definitely true, uh, strange choices, but big choices.
1: Number three. I think we're starting to get the top three of the ones that I really have questions about. Dave Hackstall in
0: Seattle. Yeah, this is so interesting to me. Uh,
1: one, this is a team that was one game away from the conference finals last year mm-hmm. and have
0: started slowly. Two,
1: Hackstall pretty traditionally a guy whose rope runs out three, four years into the
0: job. The, gr- the coaches that really grind on teams and yeah. players have this kind of effect.
1: Which he's now in that range for mm-hmm. Seattle at this point. And, and I'm not putting the blame on him. I think most people expected Seattle to regress a bit this year. But if the buy-in is not there from that organization for their head coach, you could see how they would start to look elsewhere, especially, again, kind of similar to Nashville. If you have another tough month, if you start getting into mid-December and Seattle hasn't figured it out a little bit, you could see them wanting to move on from Haxtell think that one's pretty straightforward uh number two a bit of a more interesting conversation hey, hey. the Hackstall one is so
0: hard because it's you're in the moment that you're in yep. but when you also look at the body of work you're like it's pretty good yeah you had an okay first year it's probably a little disappointing relative to expectations but sure. it's fine the second year major surprise yep super percentage driven which i think you have to look at if you're running an organization and. It's, that's such a sharp organization in terms of their analytics stuff. should understand. That yeah. I think they know that they're looking at that and they're going, we didn't think this was going to happen again. This is a reasonable downturn. This yeah. is a little like Maddie Beniers is off to a glacial yeah. start this season. Yep. And that is, that's the guy that you're kind of turning the franchise keys over and saying well, with you're con- our first franchise player. With the continued injuries, the guy's like Burakovsky, too. They don't really yeah. have other choices. And... You might be shocked to know this. Their goaltending yeah. is the same as it has been its entire existence. Not good. Joey Decord was bad last night. He was. The Grubauer against teams who are not the Avalanche has been bad. It's just it's not been good enough for that for that team. And you do start to wonder. I saw one of the Kraken um, people last night tweeting, oh, has Dave Haxtell lost the room? And my initial reaction was, you guys just went to a second <laughs> round. You've won, you've won a playoff round in year two. How can we? But actually, I wonder. Yep. Because this is a bad start. They have five wins in 14 games. Bad. That's bad. It's,
1: it's not catastrophic, again, in part because they're in a weak Pacific division where you yeah. can get away with that a little bit.
0: Yeah. If you were going to pick one division to be in it's the one to stay competitive with a bad start that that is the one but you we, we just spent an entire segment on we expect the oilers to rebound on on yep. some level if those guys also pass you your room for making the po- the playoffs dries up very quickly none yeah it's it's basically one wild card spot if yep. the oilers figure it out and actually like push for that for a postseason spot it's going to be very tough sledding for them yep. and if you miss the postseason two out of three years and your one is as percentage driven as it like historically percentage driven that the Kraken got last year. And you look at how the first round series unfolded with the Avs where they squeak through it. You get by <laughs> on the thinnest of margins yeah. and everything goes your way where you're like, hey, well, the, the end result is the end result. But do we think this is do we think this is repeatable? The answer should be no. A team that probably doesn't want the Avs in round 1 again this year. <laughs> Uh, right now they would probably just be excited to be part of round one. Sure. Uh, Dave Hextall sure would be. <laughs> he still has so a job if they're is it, that know. is a guy that I am I do really wonder like, are we coming to the end here? Yeah. Especially with a guy again, I think Jay Woodcroft is a really good coach. So I know I, that
1: some team's uh, gonna find I him and wonder pick him
0: up. if somebody that's sitting on the fence about their head coach looks at Woodcroft out there and goes. I wonder. This strengthens our resolve to make a move if things don't look, improve. I
1: wonder if Edmonton's arch nemesis does it in Calgary with my number two, Adam Huska. And I get it. He's a new head coach. There's some caveats here. But I think obviously Calgary's brutal start has some part in this conversation. But the other part of it in the sphere of, of hockey worlds, Calgary actively went mm-hmm. out and got this guy instead of Mitch
0: Love. Yeah, so Mitch Love, two-time coach of the year. Yep. at the ahl level and you pull an assistant in ryan huska yep weird call then did i say adam i meant ryan. yeah my it bad. was fine you had I, it right on the thing the so. other day
1: i was calling everyone ryan and now now i'm not getting the ryan's correct
0: <laughs> calling everybody ryan but a ryan
1: <laughs> where are my
0: dylan's at all right hang on it depends <laughs> on how they're spelled apparently <laughs> There's only one acceptable spelling of Dylan, as we've learned. Oh, God. No, but with, with Huska, you do, I, I mean, it's a little much to be like, hey, this guy's on the hot seat. Is He's right into the start of it. But you had Mitch Love right there. And you're, maybe Mitch Love doesn't become a great NHL head coach. But using the information that you had at the time, it was a strange call. Yep. It was a strange call. It seemed like such an easy promotion. Mm-hmm. What more does a guy have to do in your organization? Than be the best coach in his league. Yeah. One step below At, the NHL. Exactly. <laughs> At the second best league in the world in the AHL. He's He's two-time AHL coach of the year. They've had a bunch of great players with the Wranglers. And they've, they're, they're almost <sighs> like, it's almost malpractice what they've done. building such a great AHL program and then not using it, not on the coaching level or on the player level. What are you doing with it? and, And the weird part of it is you're starting
1: to see these track records of success of these guys in recent years, like a Jared Bednar, Greg Cronin's off to a great start in Seattle or in not Seattle in Anaheim. There are now guys that have come up through these AHL coaching ranks in the last handful of years that you can say, Hey, this process is working. We don't have to jump back on the coaching carousel that is so prevalent in the NHL. Now, to be fair, Huska was not one of those retread type coaches, Mm -hmm. but it's just weird to move away from a system that is starting to become proven for finding head coaches.
0: Yeah. And, you know, it's easy to look at, you know, Jay Woodcroft just got fired, but Jay Woodcroft was a pretty successful coach coming through the AHL ranks himself. And when he first got to Edmonton, it it went well. It went very well. And last year, that was a good hockey team. Yep.
1: Sometimes you know, things and, don't work out. Yeah,
0: and it's not Jake Woodcroft's fault that he's never had a good goaltender. Yep. He's done pretty well with the roster he's been given. And, you know, Woodcroft, Bednar, Cooper, now Cronin. I mean, you're you are looking at the AHL pipeline and saying it has produced some good coaches. Now yep. it's still early with Cronin and Anaheim, but a good start. It's a promising enough start.
1: It unlike what some of these other teams have done.
0: Unlike what Calgary has done with Hoska. Yep.
1: Yeah. It's It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Again, it's his first year, so I don't think they're going to do anything too crazy, especially when you look at last year where they were so desperate to move on from Sutter. It'll be interesting. Uh, and then, number one, everyone should know that it's David Quinn in San Jose. When your organization has two wins in 15 games, yeah,
0: it's pretty hot. Yeah, and that's it's weird. We have three guys on here who are in the first year on the job. Yep. But... That's the kind of season that it's been.
1: When they, when you've been that bad.
0: Right. Right. It's tough. And this, it, it reinforces what we talked about with Woodcroft and Edmonton of if you're going to make a major change, the easiest thing to do is fire the coach. Yep. It's the easiest change that you can make. Trading multiple players. You don't have to deal with money is, in, money out. It's especially yeah. difficult when you are up against the cap, a la the Oilers. Yep. Changing out a GM is an entire organizational shift from top to bottom that is yep. very hard to do in the middle of a season yep um as we've seen with DJ Smith and Ottawa. yep yeah Keith Sheldon Keith would be an interesting one too because what's it's almost like he's been forgotten about yeah. Because they were like, hey, we're going to give him a, we're going to give him a try. Mm -hmm. We're going to try, you know, we're going to, we're going to continuity here. And and
1: Toronto's been just good enough to keep him out of like the danger zone. Yeah, uh, where,
0: where (laughs) Toronto's been like, you're, you're looking at their start and you're like, look, you're eight, five and two. Yeah. You're not off to an amazing start. But you're not struggling either. But yeah, you're, you're doing okay. And you, you certainly one of the teams in front of you in Detroit, you're like,
1: we can catch them. (laughs)
0: Not overly concerned across 82 yeah. games. You know, yeah. Florida and Boston, I think, are. Florida, really, really impressive with the Ekblad and Montour injuries. Yeah. Then they should be back soon. Mm-hmm. I was just checking. I was talking to Tiff before the show. up
1: fantasy moves.
0: <laughs> well, I have Montour on my IR. Nah. And so I'm just like. Counting down, and I really wanted him to make his debut in San Jose tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so you can get those. Actually, you need the fantasy points. <laughs> it's Tuesday. Yes, I do. <laughs> um, but I would also like with Keith. With, with Keith, it's kind of a known quantity. Of I, I, unless they bottom out the way that Woodcroft and the Oilers did, I think he probably keeps it through the end of it's the year. It's an off-season thing. Yeah. The one I somebody in chat mentioned uh, Rod Brindamore. That's not the guy I'm keeping an eye on. The other one I'm really watching is John Cooper. For as much legacy and all the success that they've had.
1: If they struggle after getting Vassy back, sure. Yeah. But I really think he's got a pretty much free pass for
0: now. For now? Because you are like, Jonas Johansson's my starting yeah. goaltender. Yeah. And we've, you know, they're, again, 6-5-4. and four.
1: Not heinous, but, right. but disappointing if, for that If you're going to lose games, yeah. do
0: it in overtime yeah true that's, so that's worth a point yeah and they are right in the thick of the most competitive division in the nhl right now <laughs> in that death ball that is the atlantic yep and they're right they're they're involved in it you are starting to wonder about it a little bit and but, i wonder about a guy like stamkos personally where i'm like hey if they're out of it is this is they, they are this year's st louis Where they just say this era, it's time to reset. I think we're good. We're not gonna, we're not gonna give Stamkos a long term deal. Yeah, and I wonder if that guy becomes a viable trade piece for somebody out there. That'd be wild, you know.
1: (laughs) Not a Rajo believer.
0: No, (laughs) I'm not.
1: I take Stamkos over Rijo every day of the week. That's the why I'm not. I
0: don't think he's been bad, but I think you watch him and you're like, all the things we were concerned about, we've seen. Yep. All the things we were excited about, we've seen. It's been inconsistent. That's who turns he out is. it's yeah. Ryan Johansson.
1: <laughs> so. That was our top five presented by bet three, six, five. We are also brought to you by game time. If you want to get tickets to see one of these terrible teams, or maybe one of the good teams in the league game time is the way to do it. And when you sign up with code DNVR, you get $20 off your first purchase. Join the over 15 million people who've gotten tickets through game time. Even if you don't want to go to a sporting event, maybe you want to go to a concert or you want to go to the theater or whatever it is. Game time has those tickets available. You can also get fantastic prices you follow the strats that they have on there. You can wait for last minute tickets, save money that way. You can get the section selector, save money that way. Even if you find cheaper tickets somewhere else, Game Time will reimburse you 100% and 10% of the ticket price. So, Game Time out there, the best way to find tickets go download the app today, use the DNVR code, get that $20 off, and go enjoy whatever event it is you are going to. And then, Make sure you go to that event without having to worry about your house or business by using Red Hawk Roofing. They will come out, they'll give you a free inspection, no obligations at all. They'll even take a bunch of pictures. They'll break everything down for you. They'll show you what's going on with your roof. Maybe it'll come back great. And they'll say, hey, your roof is awesome. You don't need anything. Maybe it'll come back, you might have some damage. We might need something to get fixed. Red Hawk Roofing can do that for you, even if it's an emergency situation. Maybe you spring a leak in the middle of the night. They're available 24-7, and they will respond quickly to come out and fix whatever problem you might have. Go hit them up today at redhawkroofing.com. They're a local business here with the NVR, too, so we appreciate them a ton. They've been doing it for a very long time. At very least, get yourself the free no-obligation inspection of your roof. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. Before we
0: get into whatever yeah, we're going to get into, um, one of the questions from the chat today has mm-hmm. been about: Are you comfortable with uh, how the abs have looked so far this season? Just some numbers for you. Uh, I'm not going to draw any conclusions. I'm just going to give it just give you sure. some just give you some data. Sure. Whatever you want to do with it, you do with it. At five v five on a per sixty basis. The Evs are second in the NHL in shot attempts per game. Okay? hmm They are, in actual shots on goal, they are third in the NHL. In expected goals, they are seventh in the NHL. All right? That's a lot of top ten stats. At scoring chances, they are fifth. High danger chances, they are fourth. Pretty good. PDO, 28th. Pretty bad. So where you see, yes, they've had a trouble scoring. Yes, some of those numbers are skewed because their underlings actually were pretty good in games they got blown out in. Mm-hmm. You look at, in particular, the Vegas game. I think the Buffalo game. The Buffalo game. Those were too, those yeah. were the two that I definitely had in mind. Um, Their underlying numbers are actually okay. I, I actually never went and looked. They might have been good in the Blues game, too. I don't know. <laughs> I never want to think about that game again. Exactly. (laughs) I didn't even go and look. So you could say that some of those numbers are a little bit skewed by good, good underlying performances in games that they got bodied. Yep. But that's their body of work so far. So however you feel about, have they looked good? Have they looked bad? That's where they are as a team. If you think that that's a team that's in trouble, okay. This is what I would say. If you think the team
1: has struggled this year, they're nine and five. Yeah. So if this is
0: struggling, I
1: think you have to feel pretty good about it on the whole.
0: Well, and and I would also, I would follow that up and I would say, have you felt like they've badly struggled in their wins? No. Is there one win where you just felt like, God, they really didn't deserve that game? No. No because the only one that i think where you where i i think back and i say you know maybe they just weren't the better team in the totality of that game was the first game in seattle. And and even then even then you could make a pretty good argument that the abs were just fine.
1: Yeah. It, yeah, it's tough. I I would say maybe the the loss in seattle, i know they played a great third period and ended up losing, but That game on a whole, it kind of felt like, eh, maybe they didn't deserve the point in that one,
0: and they didn't get it. So, yeah, I would also say you know goal differential can be kind of a especially early in the season, it can be kind of uh, especially when you're a team
1: who's been shut out three times.
0: (laughs) But this is my point: you have eight to two losses and seven to nothing losses. What do you think Colorado's goal differential is right now?
1: It's like plus something. I don't remember the number, but I
0: know they're plus. It's plus four. So they're nine and five with a plus four, plus four, and in four of those losses they're like minus fifteen or something ridiculous. Right. Yeah, it's more than that even. Minus <laughs> twenty one, and in in four of their five losses, they are a minus twenty one in goal differential, and on the season they're plus four. So <laughs> when they're nine wins, they have run away from teams. They're plus twenty five, and if you remove those four
1: losses, <laughs> that's ridiculous.
0: Uh, it would be. Because they're minus one and they're one other loss.
1: Okay. So, mine, yeah. so they're plus 24. Yeah.
0: Whatever. <laughs> Bums. <laughs> so that's, I mean, I think that that's where, just some, just some information, you know, and if you're still really concerned about where they are as a team right now, fair enough. The losses have been that bad. It,
1: having this last Seattle game where they took care of what they needed to do, I think you continue to be in that point where it's, if these bad losses continue to happen, yeah, you had you feel bad, you have a problem, yeah. But if they rattle off a couple of wins in a row here, you're willing to look at that stretch and go, that was bad, but they didn't do it again.
0: I I would say, because it's all we always say, if if at the start of the season we looked back and we said you're going to start the season nine and five before those losses are going to be embarrassing. You would take it. Yeah. You know, in, in like the Pittsburgh, like Buffalo losses, it, it it's more that they happen back to back. Yeah, for sure. Where you're like, what the, f- what is this? Yeah. Um, but I, I think I, I would ask the same question over the next 14 games. Mm-hmm. If the abs go nine and five again, and four of those five losses are bad losses. But at the end of the at the end of that stretch, they are eighteen and ten. How do feel you feel about okay the team? About it, How yeah. do you feel about the team? Uh, I mean, that's I I'm, I won't answer that for everybody else. Just for my personal, I would feel okay. I would it's not feel, incredible. I would also
1: feel fine. I would like to see them not string them together, though. Right? Definitely. If You'd, you if you can limit your losses to maybe it's a bad loss, but then you come yeah. back and win the next night. Instead of two in a row, I would feel a lot better about definitely. it.
0: definitely. So, but
1: eighteen and ten is just fine. Would have no complaints about that record.
0: Yeah, you would have. I'm going to try and do this as quickly as I can. Mm-hmm. You would have thirty six points. Mm-hmm. Actually, I don't. I'm not going to do this. <laughs> don't do math live on air. <laughs>
1: it's not worth it. Yeah, uh, we don't have to go too much further. Show's starting to run a little bit long here, but. I did want to quickly talk about the other side of the league at the top of the league, Boston, New York, Vegas, (laughs) the three teams that are, yeah, you can throw Vancouver in there too, but we've already talked about them a good amount and why we believe they're unsustainable. You look at these three teams. I don't think certainly Vegas is that surprising.
0: Are Boston and New York a little bit surprising that they've started as well as they have? Um, I would say the way the Rangers have been, because I think when I've the, the small samples here, I've watched a handful of Rangers games. Mm-hmm. I think they look great. I mean,
1: hard to argue when you're eleven, two and one, and a plus sixteen differential.
0: Yeah, like I just they offensively they've got the goods. Panarin's off to a great start. They're getting good starts out of Lafreniere. Yeah, you know they are. They're deep at forward yep their two three c's uh, options are philip hedel and vincent Trocheck. like that's pretty good man so their forward core is legit and it's off to a good start their defense even without adam fox like adam fox is really the offensive engine back there but defensively beyond that they're hard to play against you know lingren and truba and miller those guys have enough puck skill and god they're miserable to play against yeah. They're Um, so physical and punishing that they just, that teams don't like playing against them. Yeah. And you have some good two way players up front and you have a really good power play. The Rangers look great. The Rangers look great. Believer. I I am a believer that they are better than I expected. Okay. Um, They were probably one of my big, I really don't know how to feel about them coming into the year. Sure. Um, and then obviously Shostakin is the man, and that was a given. Yeah, <laughs> weird that Jonathan Quick has had this kind of start that Been he's had.
1: Reasonably good. Yeah. Yeah.
0: When it looked like he was oh my god bad in yeah. Vegas, and yeah. then you remember he was so bad in the preseason that the Rangers were like, oh boy, they were like looking around like, and then he gives up one goal. The games. Was, yeah, exactly, <laughs> man. It was it was wild. <laughs> so, um. The Rangers, I buy some stock in that. The Bruins, I think this is just tough. But what I liked about the Bruins, I remember you and I arguing during the season prediction, and what I liked about them is they're good defensively, and they've got great goalies. Yeah. And that has held up. The the
1: goaltending has been
0: excellent, Mm
1: -hmm. can continue to be excellent for Boston. Yeah. They're going to be a very good team as long as that they get that. Like
0: Absolutely, man. And that's and, and that's where the Zaka, Charlie Coyle, those guys have stepped up and played well in the bigger roles. Getting enough to replace mm-hmm. the Bergerons and Krejci's. Exactly. I and wouldn't say
1: it's great, but it's enough.
0: Yeah. And I saw somebody in chat mention, oh, they've they've played bad teams. Sure. They have had a very easy schedule. It's true. But also they've beat bad teams yep. and you can only play who you're playing and and if you're comfortably beating bad teams chances are you're not a bad team yourself that's true you know that's the the one thing about the avs this year you look at how bad losses the blues that's really the only not good team that they've dropped one at the time with the, how the pens were playing you didn't like that one sure the sabers on any given night the sabers can Smoke you or yeah. not show up? You have no idea. You still don't know. Seattle. I guess the Seattle loss. You don't but, love. But. You don't love it more because of how it happens than who it is. Sure. But other than that, like you're looking at like, hey, like you still think that that Seattle team should be solid. Yeah. We we talked obviously earlier in the show about their issues, but. That's not an easy win, man. It never is with those guys. And nobody he, nobody ever really like really like bodies them beginning to end of a game. The Avs also the Avs this close to screwing that game up last night.
1: For sure, but they didn't. The Avs also have wins over LA, Carolina, New Jersey. You're looking at some pretty good teams. They have yeah. a, a Win column Mark.
0: And the New Jersey one obviously has the asterisk of, of injuries, no Hughes, but whatever, it, at but. the same time when the Avs, when the Avs lose a game no
1: one talks about all the players
0: they're missing. Exactly, yeah. they're just like, hey, we beat Colorado. It's a good win for us. Yep. You know, had Seattle won last night, nobody would have mentioned Leckin and Gerard and Manson. Those are three pretty important hockey players. Yep. It matters. So you know, overcoming that adversity is part of the gig, and that's a tough. That's tough for Jersey. But that's life. You just you just got to find a way. Yep. You think it's been easy for Boston? <laughs> they're without their top two centers too. Hey, if it works, it works. Exactly. You know, if you're good enough, you you make up for it in other areas of the ice. You Hey, you can. It, it's about surviving in those situations. And the Bruins are doing more than surviving to what I think is probably an unsustainable level. But you have to give them their props. At some point, you just like Jim Montgomery is <laughs> an
1: excellent coach. At a certain point, they're too consistently good to knock them. Like as much as I didn't believe in them in the offseason. A start like that is pretty undeniable. Yeah. Uh, question here in chat. Do you guys still feel like the AVs are the best team in the central? I do uh, more so for things we've talked about over this last stretch. I think Dallas right now is playing about as good as they can. I don't know how much higher that ceiling is for that hockey team. Yeah. And I think the Avs ceiling is quite a bit higher than what we've seen so far this year.
0: I I feel the same way about the Dallas Colorado thing as I did at the start of the year. I think it's close. Sure, I think the ABS are a little bit better because their best players are better, but I think it's I think it's close between them. I don't think it's a big gap.
1: Uh, honestly, in a in a straight up matchup between them, you might just be asking, is Georgiev better in that series or is Ottinger better in that series, and whoever gets the yeah. better goaltending probably wins the thing. Yeah. So,
0: yeah this this comment about the abs have no depth. You can continue to say this all day, and it's just still not going to be true. Like Ryan Johansson has what, like six goals yep. this year? Ross Colton scored last night. <laughs> Right. So do the <laughs> Chushkin. Yeah, I don't know. You know, and you, you've gotten all the hand reading about Tomas Tatar is six assists right. in fourteen games. He's, it's not
1: for a third liner, he's on perfectly fine production pace.
0: Right. And you can watch it and say, My gosh, Tomas Tatar has underwhelmed. I
1: but I also tweeted it out on my way into work today. Jonathan Druin has provided the best expected goals for of anyone on the ABS. So it's uh, the puck just might not be going in for him right now but their depth is doing a lot of good things
0: and i think that that's been like i think it's been that that's been the case of like we've talked about the underlying numbers we've seen a little bit of that yep yeah like like dallas has not out like significantly outplayed the abs to this point their losses just haven't been embarrassing yep but again colorado's colorado's wins they have nine of them, and they're right there. Yep. The The Stars have 10 wins. Uh, the Avs have more regulation wins. The Avs are taking care of business. The Stars are once again relying on getting into overtime this is, to, to do things.
1: It's very much, it's too early in the season to start talking about how, oh, the Avs control their own destiny or whatever. Totally. But these two teams still haven't played each other. Yeah. You don't have a head-to-head matchup between these two yeah.
0: teams. And I mean, oh, no, you're getting carried by your best players. (laughs) Your best players
1: are good. That's kind of the point.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you have three players in, uh, I don't know, there's all these ties in here, but it looks like right around the top 25 in scoring. You have three of the, you continue to have three of the best players. So it's weird that it becomes a knock on the avalanche of, oh, they're being carried by their best players. Of course they are.
1: It would be much more concerning if their best players were bad.
0: Yeah. Do you think Vancouver has three players in the top five of scoring in the NHL right now?
1: (laughs) Do you think they'd be anywhere near the record without that?
0: Right. Like being, being carried by your best players is how you win in the NHL. Yep. Your best players determine your, the outcome more often than not. There's always this obsession over depth and it's of course important. You need good depth players, Mm -hmm. but your best players are the guys well, who to get you there and
1: you know you're you're quietly ignoring you've gotten really good depth play out of Olafson and o'connor even if it isn't yeah, yeah o'connor obviously the shorthanded production is great <laughs> yeah your fourth line guys aren't going to provide you a whole lot of production <coughs> if you get 20 points out of those guys you're happy <coughs> And they've yeah. done they've done a good job of being the fourth line, especially. I think we've talked about it a lot of the Avs' bad losses.
0: If you're looking for a line that's doing the good work, it's been that line exactly. And the injuries have turned it into kind of a mishmash. Sure, at but this like,
1: moment, it's a little messy, but
0: but like the the Oilers, the Oilers have had a goaltending problem, like. And this concept that the Oilers have been a two man team has been bullshit for a long time.
1: Ryan Nugent Hopkins had hundred points last year. Right,
0: <laughs> they had four guys have more than eighty points last season. Like, like this has always been made up. They also went to a conference
1: finals in that time. Like, I don't know, that's not a bad hockey
0: team. Yeah, and when you look at when you do look at, you know, there's a comment in here about the Blues, and you look at the Kraken last night. The teams that don't have the star players and ha- and like their strength is their depth struggle yep. because on any given night you're relying on a mishmash of guys to get it done and that's hard to do when you have star players you know who gets it going last night for the avalanche branton and, yeah. and scores your first goal yep. your top line
1: Starts it. They also... You get your top defenseman gets the insurance goal in the third mm-hmm. period for you. They yeah. score
0: critical points. Your top D pairing gives you four points last night. Yep. Your number one center gives you three points. Your number one wing gets you two. Gives yeah. you two. And your other top wing on your top line now, Chushkin, gives you a goal. Yep. And then, oh, yeah, you also got a Ross Colton power play goal. Yep. So, yeah, like, I think it's completely fair to say it needs to be better, but... Like you need the production, but the way that they've played really hadn't been that bad. I agree. I I, I think it, I, I mean, I think you're specifically looking at someone like Druin who needs to produce more points. The hundred percent. The underlines has are to great,
1: but the puck has to start going in. The it has to
0: start happening. But if you continue to play at that kind of level, it will. Yeah. Time and time again, you see it eventually over breaks. the course yeah. of the season. Those guys end up producing. Yep. It eventually goes their way. We'll see, and and like, I don't know. I don't know how you watch the fourth line be as good as they've been this year, and, have and a then you also this, look yeah. at how good Wood and Colton have been together. Yep, and really Wood and Colton, and then adding LOC even to that line, you're now talking about your that that trio has been very good since being put together. I, I don't know how you look at that and you say Colorado's depth hasn't done anything. They've been a disappointment. The, they haven't, they haven't added anything. The they haven't, one whatever guy you feel like hasn't really found a spot as Tatar. And like you said, he's got six assists. Yeah. And it's weird for him to have a six. I was thinking about this last night. He shoot first guy. Yeah. <laughs> Has seven goal season. Right. <laughs> and is sitting on no goals and six assists. It's just a weird, like a weird stat line for that, yep. for that guy. Um, and there's nothing that says it turns around. But also, I would I would remind people, Evan Rodriguez had nine utterly useless games to start the year last yep. year.
1: And then and when got he, hotter
0: than the sun. Well, yeah. when he found his groove, he found it. And I wonder, are we seeing a similar trajectory for Ross Colton this season? Maybe. Of, it took him about 10 games to settle in, and now we're starting to see it. Because Ross Colton, over the last five games, it's been much, much better. I, I, I will forever say he, he scores that goal in against St. Louis. That game looks totally different. It, yeah. We don't know how it goes. Maybe they still get worked, but at 1-1 in the first period and with them skating the way that they were at that point in the game, maybe it goes way differently. Yeah, I sure would hope so. But Ross, Col- Ross Colton is a guy in particular, and Miles Wood has been exactly what we expected Miles Wood to be. Totally. He's not going to produce a lot of points. He's going to have those good games. Run around, he's gonna... crash into stuff. Exactly. <laughs> he's a guy. He's totally reliable. Helps you out. And yep. you know what he's really going to help you out in? Is a game against the Dallas Stars. True. So I'm excited for Saturday's game. That's not to overlook the Ducks game, of course. You Got to do that. But I feel like Colorado's depth is actually the bottom six has ticked up. Yep. Second line remains question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. You're not comfortable with that at all. I agree. But your top-line guys, you still feel like, yeah, they're all in the top 25-ish of scoring. They're pretty good. You feel like all of them could play a little bit better on a more, you know, more consistently. Well, and that's a thing that the NHL should be afraid of. Yeah. The Avs are 9-5. and They're a plus-4 goal differential with whatever we talk about, negative 21 in their losses, in four of their five losses. And they it is not hard to say that if they smooth this out, they're going to start to be able to steal games that they should maybe have lost. Yep. So I, I think the arrow was trending up for Colorado. It's easy to say after last night, had you had you asked me that on right. Sunday, I would have been would like, feel
1: pretty different about
0: it. Yeah. I would, would have <laughs> been, I would have been like, come on, what was that? <laughs> but what we saw yesterday was the kind of response that they needed.
1: Well, and again, it's on a singular game in a vacuum basis. You're seeing, yeah, a 5-1 win and an 8-2 loss are two very different vibes. Yeah. But when you back it out to the bigger picture, I think you feel pretty good overall. Yeah. So.
0: You went 1-1. One one. Yep.
1: If you don't look at how it happened, you went 1-1. One one. Yeah. Wake up tomorrow, go 1-0. and oh. Sometimes hockey's simple. Uh, <laughs> on that note, we are brought to you by Breckenridge yeah. Brewery. Get on over to breckbrew.com. Find your favorites. The uh, the Christmas ale is out there. You can get the mini kegs. It's an option.
0: Love the order. mini keg every year. They're cool. Pe- yeah, people They're are about cool, it. It's,
1: it's awesome. Uh, they also have dozens of other flavors. You can get it here at the bar, eight different kinds on tap. Or you can find it anywhere in the U.S. with the Breck Beer Locator online at breckbrew.com. Also, come down to the bar on the 18th. We're giving away a whole bunch of trips to Vegas with the Broncos guys. For the uh, Broncos Raiders game you get to stay at Circa you get to have an awesome time highly recommend you guys get down there. I think it's 10 total trips that we're we're giving away it's gonna be sick it's pretty cool
0: I, I mean, that's a super cool promo
1: yeah straight up like imagine just getting to go enjoy a weekend in Vegas on someone else's dime <laughs> it's pretty neat man <laughs> seems good uh do that also make sure you give a call over to Bacchus and Shanker if you're in the hot seat uh 222 today uh, seriously though if you've been in a car accident injured at work or something happened where you were not at fault and you ended up getting hurt Box and Shanker will give you a free consultation at the two number or Coloradolaw.net and if you have a case they will cost you nothing up front you don't pay them until you get paid for your case so anyone can get it on this you don't need money in the first place to be able to get what you deserve get with Box and Shanker today. Bacchus and Shanker wins. That is all we have for today's show. Uh, obviously back for pregame, postgame, that good stuff tomorrow. And then uh, Thursday show as well, uh, which at least for Thursday, certainly, we should have Eric and Megan back. I'm sure they can tell us all about the, the Hall of Fame trip. It should be fun.
0: Yeah, I know they did a lot of cool stuff that we're yeah. going to be excited to yeah. show everybody. Expect a so.
1: bunch of content on YouTube coming mm-hmm. here pretty soon. So it's going to be fun.
0: Yeah, content that you actually can't get elsewhere. Yep, uh, it's not just like a you know videos of scrums and stuff. This is like exclusive stuff you, that
1: you'll see the list of people they talk to pretty soon. Yeah. Here, it's
0: wild. <laughs> yeah, when uh, they dropped it in Slack of like, here's the here's the list of all the people we talked to. It was like, all right,
1: that's that's not bad, not bad. Jeez, man. <laughs> Uh, That content's coming your way. Keep it uh, posted here to YouTube. My review from the game last night should be coming out within uh, the hour here. I was a little slow on this one,
0: but it'll get up there. Promise. I was not. I got both pieces out by 3 a.m. I was very proud of myself. Working hard out here. I had to go and reread the game recap piece. (laughs) Make sure. Well, because I was just, my brain was writing (laughs) <laughs> and my fingers weren't and so i had sentences with just, just whole words <laughs> missing and i was like oh my gosh if somebody else read this right now so that's just my average tweet then is what you're saying <laughs> <laughs> some of mine too man i don't know what it is that disconnect between the hands yeah, and, and the brain they just where just stop going yeah where it's just like oh yeah this this word just got skipped <laughs>
1: Either way, be sure to keep it tuned in. Like and subscribe here on YouTube. That really does help us out a ton. Or if you miss the podcast, you can always catch it on whatever your podcast aggregator is. We do have an audio-only mm-hmm. version, too. So check that out for your daily drive, if that's your thing. Uh, we are out of here. We appreciate y'all. And we will talk to you tomorrow. We all sitting like the mayor.